Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Before we get to this week's episode, we have some very exciting news to share with all of our listeners. Palace Coffee Company here in Amarillo and Canyon has chosen us as the Cause Latte recipient for April, May, and June. Now, April's Cause Drink is called the Blue Bonnet, and I've had it, and it is really, really tasty. So, get by Palace Coffee, because $1 from every Cause Latte is donated to 24 Hours in the Canyon to go to help local cancer survivors at the Survivorship Center. Now, there's four locations you can go to. There's one in Canyon that is on the square. There's a Palace location downtown Amarillo on Polk Street, over by TJ Maxx at 34th and Coulter, and in Wolfland at Georgia and I-40. So get by one of those locations in the month of April, order a blue bonnet, or just simply say, give me the cause drink, and we will actually get some money to help local cancer survivors. Thanks a bunch. Now to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing great, Pam. How about yourself? I'm good. Hey, back in your younger days, how many times did you go out um, in the sun? How many times did you have a sunburn, and how many times did you forget to put on some sunscreen? Pam, I can tell you, I've had some major sunburns in my life. Uh, one of the worst I can ever remember was uh, a weekend where I learned to water ski at Lake Tanglewood, and I got so many blisters on my shoulders um, where the life jacket didn't cover. Uh, I, I couldn't even sleep in the bed. It was so bad. I'm embarrassed. I really am. I'm embarrassed to even admit that. But yes, I have. I think we all thought we needed to have that beautiful tan skin and look great in the summertime and didn't protect our skin like we should have. Um, you know, with Melanoma Monday coming up next week, um, I think it's important for us um, here to talk about prevention and um, getting screened for skin cancer. Yeah, um, I totally agree. You know, one of the things that you, know, you and I've talked about, and, and maybe our listeners are unaware of, but and we'll talk more about this. But but um, uh, skin cancer, um, primarily melanoma, is the fifth most common cancer in our region, and um, most of the experts will say that it's underreported, and we, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, that's why we're making a big push. Not to mention also that Melanoma Monday is next week, and so we're super excited to have. Uh, someone join us all the way from Chicago, from Rush University. We have uh, Dr. Sonia Kincare. Dr. Kincare, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. Well, we are super excited to have you. Uh, you're a dermatologist there at Rush University. And so um, let's just start really at the basic and kind of talk about what is skin cancer and maybe touch on the different types, if you would. Absolutely. I'm so excited about this conversation. Early detection is one of the best ways to keep skin cancer treatable. And I find that early detection happens more easily when people are aware that skin cancer exists and they come to the dermatologist more frequently. Skin cancer is extremely common <clears throat> in our community and actually one of the most common cancers of any kind that an individual can get. 
is basal cell carcinoma. And that's one of the types of skin cancers that happens with a combination of risk from genetics and sun exposure. One of the things that you pointed out in your story was having a blistering sunburn. And it's specifically that type of sunburn that can increase risk of skin cancer. So in discussing prevention, talking about sun protection is a huge part of that as is self-exam, but we can talk about that in more detail in a minute. Skin cancer is extremely common in our community in individuals with skin colors of all types, which is also a myth that exists in our society. Sometimes people think that only individuals that are more fair-skinned will be at high risk, but actually anyone can be at risk of skin cancer. And the earlier we detect a skin cancer, the earlier it is to treat. And because people are coming in more frequently for skin cancer screening exams, we are finding that the ability for us to treat skin cancers like melanoma, which were once almost always something very dangerous, are now something that we can treat and manage for people to have a long, healthy life afterwards. You, you touched on something right there that I want to go back to because I myself have heard um, that uh, said numerous times of, well, I have dark skin. Uh, I don't, I don't burn easily. I, I don't have any, you know, or, or I uh, am Hispanic and my skin is dark or, or, or African-American and my skin is of course dark. And so therefore I don't burn as easily, but I, I have heard that as well, that that is the biggest misnomer or, or myth that people should not fall into that trap. Well, I think it's because part of what you said is correct. People are trying to make it seem like that is equivalent to more. So when a person has a deeper skin tone, it's true that they may not sunburn as easily, but deeper skin tones are still at risk of sunburns and they are still at risk of developing skin cancer. And it isn't always a sunburn that is going to lead to a skin cancer. It's cumulative sun exposure. The part of sun exposure that leads to us developing skin cancer is the UV radiation that we absorb. And that UV radiation is cumulative over a lifetime. I regularly see patients who are in their 60s and 70s who tell me that they don't go in the sun anymore. But when they were little kids growing up in the South, they were playing outside all the time, sometimes without their shirts on and getting all kinds of sunburns. And that sun exposure still carries with them into the sixth, seventh, eighth decades and beyond in their life. And the same applies to an individual of any skin tone. The distribution of skin cancers can sometimes be different in individuals with deeper skin tones. For example, melanoma may be more commonly observed on the palms and soles of an individual with skin of color. And Bob Marley is a very famous example of this. But actually, squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma can incur on sun-exposed areas and sometimes rarely non-sun-exposed areas in individuals of any skin tone. You know, you talk about sun exposure. What about tanning beds? Oh, tanning beds. Adam, <laughs> you, you jumped right into the fire right there. Yeah, tanning beds. I'm shaking my head. I realize this is an audio recording, but I'm shaking my head. Tanning beds are my nemesis. And there was a lot of work done in the state of Illinois, actually, to make it illegal for children under the age of 18 to use a tanning bed without 
apparent signature. And of course, there's that huge skin cancer risk disclaimer that the parents have to read through before they sign. And the reason that they allow risk is because tanning beds use UV radiation to get that skin tone to deepen, to have your melanin proliferate. And that can introduce radiation that your cells and your skin absorbs that can lead to increased skin cancer risk down the road. That being said, I'm a huge fan of spray tans. Get all the spray tans you want. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, beautiful. Yeah. Yes. So that, that was the question I had too. You know, um, what about spray tans? It's a great alternative, right? It's a fantastic alternative. It's not super fabulous if you like to wear a lot of white because it is makeup. So the color can come off a little bit, but spray tan is really like applying makeup to your skin. So if you're not allergic to that makeup, you can have the aesthetic you're looking for without increasing your risk of skin cancer. What are some other risk factors for skin cancer? Family history is certainly a huge risk factor. Some people are more prone than others. There are certain genetic conditions that can lead to an increased risk of skin cancer, Lynch syndrome, certain types of breast cancer, xeroderm pigmentosa. These are just a few examples of overall conditions that affect your health that can be associated with increased risk of skin cancer. There are many, many others. Getting a lot of blistering sunburns is certainly a risk factor and not using adequate sun protection. If you live in an area where you really just can't avoid getting lots of sun exposure is a risk factor as well. What about those that have lots of freckles or lots of moles? So that is an association as well. There are certainly individuals who we call um, having a typical nevus syndrome where they have numerous moles and they are a little bit funky and that can be normal for some individuals, but close monitoring is super important. Sometimes I send those individuals to mole mapping clinics so that they can have full body photographs and have their moles tracked at a regular interval of six to 12 months. For individuals who have <clears throat> lots and lots of moles, they are at increased risk of developing a melanoma. And because of that, we often have them follow up more frequently. So for our listeners that are um, listening, what um, they see a mole, they're concerned. What should they be looking at whenever they're looking at their mole? This is one of my favorite acronyms to teach people. We call it the ABCDs. And what you want to look for when you're doing ideally your monthly self-exam of your whole body are the ABCDs. A stands for asymmetry. If one half of the mole looks like the other half, it doesn't have to be a perfect circle. And the line at which you're dividing it in half doesn't have to be down the middle. But if you look at a mole and you see an angle at which you can say this is about the half line, if both halves are about the same, that's reassuring. B stands for the borders or the edges of the mole. If those are irregular, you may want to have that checked out. C stands for color. Everyone, I think, thinks about color with melanoma. It is important to note that not all melanomas are brown or black. We do have a type called amelanotic melanoma, so it can be very light pink or colorless, or sometimes even red in an individual who's like strawberry blonde or very red hair. But 
the C really stands for if the color stands out or if there's more than one color present within the mole. You may want to have that evaluated. D is diameter or the size of the mole. If it's greater than five millimeters or the size of a pencil eraser, you may want to have that checked out. And then the most important is E, and that's not always on all the acronyms, but E stands for evolving. You could have all of the first four of those be a little bit funky, and that could be normal for you as an individual. But if the mole appears to be evolving or changing quickly, that is something you want to go and get checked out for sure. Other factors that I encourage people to keep an eye out for are if a mole or a spot on the skin is persistently rough, if it bleeds easily, or if it's not healing. Those are unusual attributes and you would want to go get that checked out. That's a, that's a lot to take in. Um, but you know, I, I, I can remember, you know, my mom saying, Oh, we need to, you know, have this mole looked at, or we need to have that mole looked at. And, you know, you go to the dermatologist and, and that's one of the first things they say. So I'm glad you're here. I think a lot of times, right. We, we kind of sweep that under the cover. Like, ah, it, it looks, it's always looked that way. Um, but, but definitely are glad you're there though. We're so glad that you're paying attention to your own skin. And honestly, patients are the ones who come in the soonest for an unusual mole. I've certainly had a patient who was on a yearly schedule who came in two months later and said, I just noticed this a few weeks ago. And they were able to find a skin cancer so much sooner than if they waited the whole additional 10 months for the next skin exam. Yeah. Already. So much like with every single cancer, early detection is the greatest benefit that you can have. Um, so yeah, definitely. I know um, so, so if our listeners are, you know, questioned whether they need to go in, make that appointment, get in. The sooner the better, right, Pam? That's right. So you talked about um, yearly exams. When should someone start doing yearly exams for their skin? You know, People may be surprised to hear this, but I recommend as early as the 20s, like early 20s, especially if an individual has a handful of moles, because melanoma is an unusual skin cancer in that it has its first peak at a pretty young age. It is one of the skin cancers that commonly affects people in their 20s and 30s. So coming in around that time to start helps a lot. When an individual comes in and they really don't have a lot of moles in their skin, I may tell them it's okay to come every two or three years at that young age, but to keep an eye on themselves once a month, but at least starting the ball rolling at that time, I think helps create a nice baseline. One of the, one of the main things I know, Pam, that, that I have um, uh, always had questions asked to me or posed to me is, you know, we are in our community, in our region, right? We're, we get a lot of days of sunlight and we're at a fairly decent elevation, 3,500 or so feet. So uh, we're a little closer to the sun than some places, um, but we have a large farming community, a lot of ranchers, a lot of uh, farmers. And like, like you said, Dr. Ken care about being outdoors a lot. We of course have uh, our wonderful biking event that we do 24 hours in the canyon. We have, uh, Dr. Kincare, I have to tell you, we have the second largest canyon in the United States that draws oh. draws 400,000 plus visitors a year to go hiking and, and being a part of outdoors. So aside from, and I want to talk about sunscreen here in a minute, but aside from sunscreen, 
let's kind of dive in just a little bit about some prevention. So prevention is huge. And sunscreen is a huge topic, but there are many other ways to protect yourself from the sun. When I was a little kid, sun protective clothing was something you could only find at a sporting goods store. But now Target, Walmart, fun brands like Lily Pulitzer all carry clothing that has UPF in it. UPF is the clothing weave equivalent of SPF and UPF 50 clothing is somewhat easy to find. Brands that are heavily promoted to dermatologists are Coolabar, but many different sports brands of clothing, even at Target, Walmart, et cetera, have these things. That's a nice, easy way to not have to reapply sunscreen constantly. Wide brimmed hats are huge. They will cast shade over your face, over your ears. Shade structures are wonderful also. The American Academy of Dermatology is always promoting grants for people who want to build shade structures, especially in areas where there's lots of children to give them some respite from the sun. And I also recommend being careful when possible between the hours of 10 a.m. and two to 3 p.m. because that's when the sun is beating the strongest for sure. Right, right. Uh, Pam, it's funny, you know, some of our folks, especially that are familiar with 24 hours in the Canyon, always make comments about my hat, right? My big cowboy, big, <laughs> big wide, big wide brim hat. Aside from, you know, I, I'm cool and able to pull that look off. It is most important because it keeps the sun off my neck and my ears and my nose and my bald head when, when I'm out at the Canyon for as long as we are for out there. So um, I, I was glad to hear Dr. Kincare, uh, uh, agrees with me wearing my wide brim hat. <laughs> she approved. I think wide brim hats are glamorous. I'm so excited that you're wearing one and bringing that look. Yes. yes. So we mentioned sunscreen and I know whenever I go to Walgreens, CVS, Walgreens, uh, Walmart, there's a lot and there's a lot of different ones. What should we be looking at when we buy sunscreen? Well, one thing I'm happy to share with you is that the brand actually doesn't matter at all. You're looking for an SPF, generally 30 or higher is what I'd recommend for daily use. 50 is worth considering if you have a tendency to get dark spots or if you're out in the sun for a long time. And I think if you have sensitive skin, mineral sunscreen is tolerated the best. Mineral is referring to the ingredients. The active ingredients are always written on the box or the tube. And mineral ingredients include zinc oxide, titanium dioxide, or iron oxide. And those physically block the sun from entering your skin. So those tend to be a little bit less irritating. And they also can leave a white cast sometimes, but there are tinted versions available and they also last really well when you're getting in and out of the water. A key message with sunscreen is that you wanna make sure that you bring it with you. If you're going to be outside all day for a barbecue or a picnic or by the beach, because you need to reapply it every one to two hours. And chemical blockers are fine if they don't irritate you too. And those are the ones that'll go up to like SPF hundred mineral usually doesn't go past 50, but chemical blockers work because when you put them on the skin, they sort of mix in and get activated by the sunlight and dispel UV radiation a bit. Um, the, Key things that have you look out for, SPF 30, mineral sunscreen. And 
over time, play with the sunscreens a little bit to find a formula that you will be willing to wear every day because the best sunscreen for you is the one you'll actually wear. And some of them have funky smells or textures or application processes or get messy. There are so many varieties. There will be one that works for you if you try them all. So the message I'm guessing is something is better than nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I always uh, have people ask this question too, sometimes because at the found at our foundation, we get looked at as kind of our, um, some experts, if you will. And, and, but my question I always get asked is, does it matter if it's spray on or if it's like, you know, the, the, the lotion type? So I love spray ons because they're getting some people to actually use sunscreen, but to be honest, you're getting a much lower SPF from a spray typically than what's written on the bottle. Those SPFs correlate to a super thick application of sunscreen. And when you're putting on the spray, it goes on real thin. So if using that is the only way you'll use any sunscreen, by all means, go for it. But the lotion will give you a closer um, coverage to what it's actually telling you it is in the bottle. And what I found too about the spray is sometimes you, because it's it usually, at least the brand I've seen or used, sometimes typically goes on really clear. And so you, you always find later the person ap- applicating or applying the sunscreen uh, missed a stripe or two. Right, right. <laughs> it's easier to tell where you have sunscreen if you can see a little bit of a tint from the, from the, uh, the, the lotion. Absolutely. I agree. The lotions are a lot easier, especially when they go on white and dry clear. I find that to be the easiest way to know that you've covered all of your skin. Ron, I want to make um, our listeners aware of one of the projects that we have at the foundation. You know, one of our goals is prevention and we have a uh, sunscreen dispensers. Um, I think you said 30 throughout the city. We have some at Paladuro. So those that come for the bike ride and they have um, a way to get sunscreen if they forget their sunscreen. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we partnered with the city of Amarillo as well as uh, the state parks here, uh, Paladuro Canyon State Park and provided, uh, we've provided um, free sunscreen, SPF 30 uh, and dispensers and committed to keeping those dispensers filled when they run low or run out um, as long as they need them. And um, yeah, it's really cool because like I said, at Paladero Canyon, it's a large outdoor area, 400,000 plus visitors a year. And we have uh, 12 or 13 dispensers um, spaced throughout the park down there um, that are constantly being filled and um, providing the resources for them because we feel like just as you said, Pam, and as Dr. Ken Carey, you said, uh, prevention is key. And that's, that's the easiest thing we can do um, because I know I'm guilty sometimes of going out there and forgetting my sunscreen, but I know right where those dispensers are at the Canyon to get them. If you're curious too, to our listeners, where those are located in town, they're located at um, all of the swimming pools that the city operates. They're also available um, at both uh, city golf courses and they're available at Rick Klein, uh, the baseball fields. Uh, They're also available at uh, the Amarillo Tennis Center that's outside, um, as well as many of the splash pads, including Meta Park throughout throughout the city. Um, But the other thing, too, Dr. Kinkara, I know you'll appreciate this. There is a sign placed right next to those um, 
that says free SPF 30 sunscreen reapply every two hours. So we, we're trying to make sure we're doing our best part rather than just putting out sunscreen, uh, a little bit of education to remind folks that you do need to re reapply about every two hours. I love that. What a wonderful, wonderful resource to offer the community. And ironically, what's cool about that too, Pam, I don't know if you know this, um, but there are, and I, I wish I'd have looked this up before we did, uh, got you on today. Uh, I don't know how many state parks there are throughout the entire state of Texas, but of course, Texas is large and there's a lot of state parks. Um, Palo Duro is the only state park in Texas that has free sunscreen available to it. And that's a benefit and they should come and see that beautiful park. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I always hear, oh, you need to go outside and get your vitamin D. Is there any um, reasons or benefits we should go outside to get our vitamin D then? So I think that there's a lot of vitamin D that's available in our food too. And in the South, you're getting a lot more sun than we are. It's important to know that even when you're using sunscreen, some sun will still go through it. People who are really concerned about not getting any color at all or not absorbing any sunlight, you do still get some. But one thing you could consider if you don't sunburn really quickly, big caveat there, if you don't sunburn really quickly, is waiting about five minutes after getting outside before putting your sunscreen on. Or keeping in mind that it takes about 10 minutes for sunscreen to kind of kick in. So if you put it on and you immediately leave the house, you'll have a little bit of sun that you absorb before the sunscreen uh, kicks in. That's good information. That's really good information. And one of the things that I find interesting that, that Dr. King Care you, you spoke about is uh, the, the UPF uh, 50 in the clothing. Yeah. I, I thought and, and I'm embarrassed to say, but I really thought that was kind of a gimmick at first, you know, to, to sell clothes, you know, sell athletic clothes or things like that. But, you know, I've started to wear the long sleeves and noticed that, yeah, it is, it's, it's, uh, it is protective, especially at, if you're at the, the pool or you're wherever you are outdoors to be able to keep that sun from, from really tearing your skin up. So in order to claim a certain SPF for a sunscreen, that is actually something that's federally regulated and they have to actually demonstrate that level of sun blocking. The UPF factor on clothing is actually similar. It is also federally regulated and it relates to the weave of the, of the threads. And it really does work beautifully. I find that the UPF swimwear especially is excellent because when a kiddo spends an afternoon at a pool good luck trying to reapply their sunscreen every time they're getting in and out of the water yep. but at least the swimsuit can protect them yes you know i i remember pam you know we spent the summer at the pool growing up that was one of the reasons we were very adamant of making sure when we worked with the city that we had the, the um, sunscreen dispensers at the pool and uh, they make announcements over their um, loudspeakers every so often about making sure to reapply their sunscreen and then also making sure when they check in to know where the sunscreen dispenser is on the wall. So, gosh, you know, it's hard to, to wrestle those kids down, but man, parents, if you're listening, make sure you, you get them lathered up. Yes. Um, so for our survivors, is there those that have gone through treatment, is there any precautions that they need to take um, compared to a normal person? 
So having had a malignancy of any kind is associated with an increased risk of skin cancer. It lowers the immune system a little bit after you've had a cancer and your immune system is your body's internal surveillance for skin cancers. So definitely if you've had any type of cancer, make sure you sign up for a skin cancer screening. It's also important to note that for any of your listeners who've had radiation, areas of the skin that have had radiation passed through them can be at an increased risk of developing skin cancer also. So they want to make sure that they check that area really carefully as part of their once a month self-exam. So whenever they go to the dermatologist and I always hear the whole body scan, um, is it a scan or is it a, a physical look from the physician? Um, can you explain that to our listeners? Absolutely. When I do a whole body scan, we call it a total body skin exam. I look at an individual from head to toe using a dermatoscope, looking at the scalp, behind their ears, checking lymph nodes at all of their skin in between the toes, in the genital area, if the patient is comfortable with that part of the exam and discuss some of the things we've talked about today, like good sun protection practices, how to do a self-exam, the ABCDs. And if I notice anything that stands out, we discuss that as well. And sometimes that will result in a biopsy being performed or precancerous lesions being treated. And other times that'll result in a photograph being taken. So a lesion can be monitored. Sounds pretty painless. Yeah. It, is. it really is. It's not really as time consuming as one might think either. It's about 15 minutes that we spend together. And most of it is a conversation. I can't think of a more valuable 15 minutes. I know several people, Pam, I know you know, you know several people who've had melanoma. Um, and as you said, Dr. Kincare, it used to be one of those things that was just, it was an ugly actor and it just did not cooperate with treatment. It was just not good outcomes. And thankfully there are better outcomes these days. But I think a lot of that is, is due to um, a lot of awareness and a lot of screenings and a lot of just folks being self-conscious and following up with their dermatologist. And hopefully that leads to those better options. I agree. Yeah. Go Man, ahead. I've learned a whole lot in this short time we've been talking to her. I have and too. I have too. It's been, uh, it, one thing it's done too, Pam, is it's reassured naturally that, that we're doing the right things as a foundation, you know, pushing the sunscreen and those types of things and making those things available to our, our participants at the events, uh, making those things available when we go on our hikes when we take our survivors on the, the hikes that we do outdoors and things like that. It's very important. Uh, but I can't thank you enough, Dr. King care for taking time today to join us and, and, and uh, impart some of your wisdom with our listeners. It was such a pleasure to be here and to chat with both of you. This is one of my favorite topics. Before we leave, and we like to leave our listeners with a Pete's powerful moment. Do you happen to have one that you could share with our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, in the beginning of my career, I was doing a skin cancer screening on a young lady, she's about 26 years old, and she had been a pageant girl growing up, gorgeous woman. And her OB referred her to me because she had a new mole on her cheek that appeared to be changing at every ultrasound visit. And so the OB sent her to me and I suggested we perform a biopsy. For those listeners who've had a biopsy before, you know that a risk associated with that is a scar. And 
this young lady did not want a scar on the middle of her face. And so she declined. And a few weeks later, she was back and the mole looked much worse. And this time she came with her husband. I explained the risks, I explained the importance. And this time she agreed. And it did end up being an invasive melanoma. And she was able to get successfully treated. And unfortunately it did result in a pretty significant scar because whenever a cancer is removed, margins are removed with it to make sure it's completely out. But I continued to see that woman for years and her gratitude for it being treated and the time she was able to spend with her newborn child was beautiful. And so I say this story because I know that she was scared about having a biopsy performed and how it might impact her and her relationship with herself, but she is happier than ever and appreciating every moment. And it inspires me to encourage others to prioritize ruling out something that could affect your life badly and not worry about the scar. The biopsy took us a moment, relatively, a few minutes, and she is so in love with her family and her life now. So if you're worried about something, go in, get it checked out. A biopsy of your skin is not as big of a deal as it sounds. Ryan, that, sounds like, that sounds like some homework for our listeners. It does. I was just thinking about that, Pam. Um, they need to be learning, you know, taking to heart the ABCDs and uh, do that check, do a self-check. Um, and, and if you see something that's out of shape or out of color or asymmetric, that the borders are different, the color, the diameter, or if it's evolving, see, I got them all right there. You did. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Uh, they need to make that appointment. That's their homework. And then also too, Pam, being that Melanoma Monday, you know, it's, it's um, about to be May going to be spending more time outdoors make sure you're stocked up on good sunscreen spf 30 maybe up to spf 50 um get stocked up on that sunscreen and get ready to be outdoors and be safe right that's right yeah so one, one last thing i think we need to let them know is they need to like subscribe give us feedback um if you have any questions please call us at 806-331-2400 that's right. And we want to say thanks to uh, uh, Pete's CarSmart Kia for sponsoring our podcast. We also uh, definitely want to say thanks to Dr. Ken Kerr again for joining us and uh, uh, really being that good reminder of maybe taking better care of ourselves from the outside. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about nutrition. We talk a lot about exercise, uh, but we don't want to neglect uh, the outside of ourselves and make sure that we put our sunscreen on. And then I tell you what, Pam. We definitely want to invite our listeners back next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.